0: in this this series called why we do what we do and he said in that first uh in that first thing he says it's going to sound a little bit like presbyterian propaganda but i promise that's not what it's meant for and i would say the same thing it might sound a little bit like presbyterian propaganda but that's not what it's meant for it's meant to glorify our one lord Our one God, our one Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. And the way that we as a church try to live that out. So today's theme in this series is on unity. So will you join me in your hearts and minds as we read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Where he writes, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, as we gather together this morning, so many things in our world may appear as if we are not one, as if we are disunified, as if we are separate and different and distinct. And Lord, yet you call us. You call us in the midst of that to see something deeper, to see something that you're doing. And oh Lord, today may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts help us to see the truth behind Paul's words and the truth behind Jesus Christ's longing. And the truth that we are one in Christ, that we are one in you. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So unity is a pretty important, and pretty important theme throughout all of Scripture. It's a pretty central theme and longing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I encourage you to go back and read the Gospel of John, chapter 17, read the whole chapter from beginning to end and Just know the longing on Christ's heart that the people who follow him would be one. Why? So that all of the rest of humanity could see that you, Lord, are one. That you are one God, one God and Father of us all. But yet we look around us and we look even in the church sometimes and we wonder, really? Unity? where? Here I see you on Sunday morning, but I wonder, unity? Really? Where? And in fact, we even we as Christians, we have a profound history of disunity. <laughs> we, are, we are called Protestants, Protestants, right? We, uh, we helped to sort of create a look of disunity, for the purpose of following God more closely and more clearly, but yet the church looked like it was many, it wasn't one. We look around our communities and we see it looks like the church are many, not one. We see even in our own Presbyterian church, started as a denomination, now there's the Presbyterian Church USA and there is the Orthodox Presbyterian Church and there is the Presbyterian Church in America and there is the Presbyterian Church of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, and the Evangelical Covenant Order of Presbyterians, and there are all these people who call themselves Presbyterians, and we all read the scripture, and we say, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, but when you look, sometimes it doesn't look one. So unity, really? Where? In our vows, as deacons, elders, and teaching elders, ministers of word and sacrament, we vow a promise. We say, do you promise to further the peace and unity of the church? Will you? We all, when we are ordained, we answer yes. Well, there are many times in which we get it wrong, but yet, friends, there are many times in which we get it right. I want to tell you a story about another church in another part of the planet in Africa that got it wrong, then got it right. This is the church in southern Africa. In the 1600s, those who were uh, from the Netherlands began to send people to what's now the country is called South Africa. It was just the southern cape of Africa at the time. The Dutch began to send people from a reformed theological background, which we have a common reformed theological background, began to send people there in the 1600s. And a little bit later, the English began to send people there in the 1800s. But you know, this country, South Africa, it had racial tensions throughout its history. Since we, since the Dutch and the English went there to settle. It created a lot of tension. There was in eventually they sort of codified the Reformed Church by 1948 into four bodies. One of those bodies was called the Dutch Reformed Church. They were all white. Another of those bodies were more of the indigenous black church called the Dutch Reformed Church in Africa. They were all black And then there was the Indian church. For those who came from India and began to live and for many generations go there, they became the the Reformed church in Africa or the Indian church. And the fourth was the Dutch Reformed Mission church, which was for the colored or people of mixed race. So this common church, the Reformed church, became four based on difference. Based on difference, of skin color and ancestry. They followed their culture at the time. The government at the time said, we ought to separate in these ways. 1948, it became codified. But then a little bit later, and you know a lot of the story of the other side of this. A little bit later, people started to see, no, fueled by this insight of Paul that you've heard this morning. There's one faith, one Lord, one God and Father of us all, one baptism. And we said, no, this separation by ancestry and by ethnicity is not of God of this oneness. In fact, it is sin. We in the church have been living something we thought was the right way to live, and it was not. We need to confess our sinfulness, and live a new way. And when they did that, they codified it into a statement and they said, this unity that God has given us is both a gift and an obligation for the church of Jesus Christ. The unity of the church is both a gift. Even though you can't see it, Jesus gave it to us. But it is also an obligation. It is a binding force, yet simultaneously a reality which must be earnestly pursued and sought. And the people of God must be built up to continually attain it. They went on to say, this unity must become visible. It must become seen in the world so that the world may believe that separation, enmity, and hatred between people and groups is sin, which Christ has already conquered. And anything which threatens this unity may have no place in the church and must be resisted. That was a confession that the South Africans made. They called it the Confession of Belhar. We in the Presbyterian Church USA just adopted this as the 12th of our confessions in the Book of Confessions to say along with the people of South Africa, we declare that this unity must earnestly be sought. Because we friends, we have a similar kind of history. You know, in 1858, in the Presbyterian church, which was one church, we split in 1858. We split over the difference between the Union and the Confederacy. We split over the difference between should we hold slaves or should we not? And the church itself created a division over that division in the world. And however, every once in a while, thanks be to God, after generations, after decades, sometimes we see through a glass darkly. We see through it to something else that Paul has been calling us to, that Jesus has been calling us to, that our Lord has said, there's something bigger going on here than your separation. And so we said, no, we need to come together. So in 1983, the, what was called the Southern Stream of the Presbyterian Church and the Northern Stream of the Presbyterian Church unified into the Presbyterian Church USA. Thanks be to God hallelujah. So sometimes we see it. Sometimes we grow the courage to say, yes, we can make visible in the world what Paul has called us to, what Jesus has called us to. And we need to do this work of making it visible, helping us see it. Because in our, another way of of, uh, thinking about this is in our book of order, we actually say in the foundations of the church, one of the foundations is unity. We believe Unity is a gift that God gave to the church in Jesus Christ. Just as God is one, and Jesus is our one Savior, so the church is one because it belongs to Jesus Christ. Not because we agree on everything. Not because we look the same. Not because we think the same or have the same opinions. It's one because Jesus called us to that. So our oneness is in Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah. It is not in our own good. (laughs) thanks be to God, and it goes on to declare the same scripture we did today, there is one church, for there's one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and further division into different denominations, we say, it does not destroy the unity of the Christian church, it does not destroy the unity of God, but it obscures it, That's the word we use, it obscures it. When we separate, it obscures this longing that Jesus had when he prayed to the Lord. I pray that they may know what makes for peace and unity so that they will know, oh Lord, that you have sent me and we are one. Thanks be to God. It doesn't destroy it, but it obscures it. And so we ought to build ourselves up to attain and grow in unity of the body so that it may become visible, not a coerced unity, a freely chosen, freely sought type of unity. See, unity, I think, when we ask this question where, I think unity is a phenomenon that's kind of like the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, we say, is already here. It's already among us. Thanks be to God. But it's not yet fully seen, known, participated in. We use this simple phrase that says, it's already, but not yet. Like unity is already, but it's not yet fully visible, fully manifest in the world. So every opportunity we get to do that as Christians, we take it. Let me give you an example a little closer to home. In our own Presbytery, Calvin Presbyterian Church in Shoreline, you know, we in the Presbyterian Church and in any church, we have disagreements. We have different opinions about doctrine and about ways of living out what the body of Christ should be like. And we had a big conflict about this a few years ago. It had to do with it, things related to sexuality and whether people could be ordained or not, et cetera. We had a big disagreement. in one of our churches, Calvin Presbyterian Church, said, you know what? That disagreement is right here in our church. So we are going to, we're going to pay attention to it. We're going to follow God in this. We're going to discern what is Jesus calling us to do. They did that for about 18 months to two years. It was quite a process that they went through. In the end, they said, we reaffirm the covenant that God has called us to in this denomination, in this Presbyterian Church USA, not because we agree in our opinion, but because Jesus, our Lord, has called us to it. This is not a unity that requires uniformity. It's not a unity that requires unity of opinion or agreement on all matters. It's a unity that says Jesus called us into this and therefore our allegiance to our Lord calls us to make it visible. Thanks be to God. Another one right up the road in Bellingham First Presbyterian Church. That was where unity of the church could be a threat. This one is where the unity of church, the church, the different kind of church wanted to be built Back in 2007, Doug Bunnell, who's the pastor of First Presbyterian Church of Bellingham, said, I got a vision. I would love to see something different happen in our community, our whole community, so that the community would see that we are one, even though, even though we may look separate or look different. But we are unified in Christ. And so what they did was they formed, they started with just the Presbyterians. They said, we're going to all get together and worship on Pentecost. On Pentecost, we're going to demonstrate the whole thing that happened in the first Pentecost. People of many different languages and whatnot, but they weren't too many different languages. They were just Presbyterians at first thing. But we got together. Five Presbyterian churches got together at the Mount Baker Theater in downtown Bellingham. Thanks be to God. Well, the next year, seven churches. And we went way beyond Presbyterian. The next year, 11 churches beyond Presbyterian in both Spanish and English. This year, there's going to be about 17 churches that are going to gather together at Bellingham High School to worship God together at Pentecost because we wanted to not obscure the sense that Christ is one, God is one, our Lord is one. So let's show it to the world, thanks be to God. Unity is something that we ought to build, and the body of Christ ought to be built up to attain. Even closer to home, I heard it in your praying. I see it in your community. Mountain View Presbyterian Church, you are amazing. You are incredible. You are gathered together as one across the world this morning, thanks be to God. People of completely different backgrounds and ancestry and generations. And you're gathered together as one, people from Pakistan, people from wherever you may claim you're from, hallelujah, are gathered together as one to build this body of Christ. Why? Because Christ calls us to it. God calls us to it. God calls us to show the indivisibility through what may be perceived as difference. Thanks be to God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, this becomes possible. And like the kingdom of God, we only get glimpses and tastes of it once in a while. Often when we look around, it doesn't seem that way over and over and over again, but we get a glimpse, we get a foretaste, we get to taste the apple of this being the body of Christ built into Christ who is the head. It is a gift that Christ gives us. And it is a promise yet to be attained, yet to be built for us to pursue together at the same time. Thanks be to God, that God is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.